Tinfoil hats solidly in place and ready to go. The BBC, which they prove once again stands for the Big Brother Company, and George Soros and white supremacists. Yes, he's taken his battle plans from the Democrats, apparently. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Tuesday. It is a Tuesday, 23rd day of March. March? No, May was an M word, you know. It's been a long day. Hey, before we get started, first of all, protect your online activity with the best and easiest VPN, Nord VPN. Use our special link in the show notes down there below. Just expand it. Look for Nord VPN, and you will get three free months and 59% off when you sign up with the Jay Sheldon Show at Nord VPN. Tonight, just before we went on the air, went out. It's a beautiful, clear night, and uh, I know in the U.S. it's 10 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast, but here it's night, uh, 10 o'clock at night, and the moon is this upside-down crescent, and right next to it over here is this brilliant, bright star, and it's not actually a star. It's a planet. It's Venus. I know this isn't the astrology show, but it's really beautiful, so... Either in the U.S., check it out, either at sunrise or sunset is when it's brightest. But if you're on the uh, Southeast Asia, Asia area, uh, check out the moon tonight. It's absolutely beautiful with uh, Venus, second planet from the sun, our, our sister planet, our neighbor there headed in towards the sun. And uh, it's not available and visible all the time, but at this time of year, wow, it's amazing. All right, let's get on to a more important thing, shall we? This would be the Miko update. We start every show with an update on our little three-year-old Shiba Inu Bebe, whose name is Miko. No, this is not Miko. But I had to share this during the Miko update because it's just the coolest damn thing ever. This is a this is Hetty the Shiba Inu. Don't get jealous, Miko. Because if you could do this, I would put you on your own update. Look at this Shiba Inu. Man, that is incredible. Learned how to ride a skateboard. Not only can ride it, but jumps off, gets it going faster. Look at that. Gets it moving along, pushes it along, and then jumps back on it. This is incredible. Amazing. Okay, Miko, you listening to me? You got a new trick to learn. This is going to be next, pal. Look at this. Going downstairs. Holy crap. And stays right on. That is incredible. <laughs> That's not AI. That is a Shiba Inu riding a skateboard. Man, she <laughs> she's doing great, by the way. She can't skateboard yet, but we're going to teach her. I promise. We'll let you know. Our Miko update brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O. You use that link, you get a free month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. BarkBox, what is it? Plain and simple. It's a box full of goodies you get every month with a new theme every month. And it's got two toys, two treats, and a bag uh, uh, with a dog chew inside. 
All natural ingredients, good for your dog. If your dog has any allergies, there is a checkbox on the website when you order. You can let them know. And also small, medium, and large, depending upon the size of your dog. And a 100% happiness guarantee. If you are ever not happy about anything, they will make it right no matter what. 100% happiness guarantee with BarkBox.com. That free extra month with a multi-month subscription is available for you if you use our link barkbox.com slash Miko M-I-K-O Alright and now having gotten that out of the way it is time to dig into the meat on this sandwich I've got the first stories tonight are just weird and you can make the links if you want to you cannot make the links if you want to for me I'm a wait and see guy I know that can be a bit dangerous, but I would prefer to kind of wait and see. This is from Liberty Daily. Links in our show notes. Why were 50 U.S. senators just given satellite phones as a part of, quote, new security measures by the sergeant at arms? Very specific situations in which satellite phones would be necessary for safety and security. Uh, Most of these have to do with where you're located, because in some places there are no cell towers and you can't get service. A satellite phone, as the name implies, relies on the satellites. So if you can pretty much see the sky, you can make use of your satellite phone. Any remote area where cell towers aren't available, you can use a satellite phone. And 50 U.S. senators were just issued satellite phones by the Senate's sergeant-at-arms as a part of their new security measures. Mm. Uh, expensive, bulky phones offered to all 100 senators. They were all offered these phones. Half of them accepted it, which is kind of weird. Uh, the moves prompted, prompted conspiracy theorists to wonder if the government is aware of something coming up, or planning it, in our case, likely, that would uh, disrupt standard cellular communications. Uh, Karen Gibson is the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms. She took over the position after her predecessor resigned after the January 6th incident, all but confirmed uh, that this is their concern, according to CBS News. In testimony before the Senate Appropriations Committee last month, Uh, Senate Sergeant-at-Arms said satellite comms are being deployed to ensure a redundant and secure means of communication during a disruptive event. Said the phones are a security backstop in case of an emergency that takes out common communications. Uh, Federal funding will pay for the satellite phones and the airtime needed to utilize the device. Department of Homeland Security Advisory said satellite phones are a tool for responding to and coordinating government services in case of a man-made or natural disaster that wipes out communications. Do they know something they're not telling us? Or are they just displaying an abundance of over-caution? Hmm... Interesting, eh? And 
I'm not going to say these stories are connected. I don't know that fact, but these things just keep piling up. And the more they keep piling up, the more interestinger and interestinger it goes. 30 tons of ammonium nitrate missing from a train. Yeah. Hey. We've seen a few concerning train stories under the Biden administration. Transportation Secretary, that useless idiot, Pete Buttigieg, including, of course, East Palestine, which still has not been fixed or settled in Ohio. Environmental damage to that town may never be fully repaired, likely not. Uh, Despite Joe Biden making a bizarre comment and then saying, he would go, he hasn't yet, and it's all but forgotten, which I'm sure he's counting on. The admin hasn't exactly inspired a lot of confidence in our rail system or the way they've been handling things and caught in a lot of justifiable flack for their delayed reactions to disasters. Now, add to that truly weird story on their watch, 30 tons, about 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate went missing from a rail car during transit. Ammonium nitrate sound familiar? Well, it should. It was used in the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. That explosion, which virtually wiped out the entire building from the back of a truck, used only roughly 5,000 pounds mixed with motor fuel and detonating in a parking garage. Hence, 60,000 pounds might just be a little bit of a reason for concern. That could do a hell of a lot of damage in the wrong hands. It was being shipped from Cheyenne, Wyoming to California. It left Cheyenne April 12th. The company shipping it, Dino Nobel, said when it arrived two weeks later, it takes two weeks to get from Wyoming to California on a train? What? Anyway, when it arrived, the car holding the aluminum nitrate was empty. Two separate, uh, sorry, four separate investigations have been launched. It's in pellet form, and they believe... (laughs) This is such bullshit. No one is buying this. They believe it may have fallen out of the rail car at some point during the trip. Yeah, they've just gone along with, you know, like a wily Coyote, where the the, uh, aluminum nitrate is just trailing out of the back of the, the, the car. Rail car was sealed when it left Cheyenne, and the seals were still intact when it arrived in California. The initial assessment is that a leak through the bottom gate of the rail car might have developed in transit. That, according to a spokesman, we take this matter seriously and we will work to understand how it happened and how it can be prevented from happening again. The story is more than just a little crazy. How could they? possibly lose 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate all in one car just 
Oh, it just leaked out, we think. Yeah, it's just 60,000 pounds, just leaked out, that's all. And actually, even if that is the fact, that's not particularly reassuring. That means 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate is in a trail somewhere on a railroad track between Wyoming and California. It's... You know, like I said, tighten up your tinfoil hat, folks. Senators get satellite phones, 60,000 pounds, 30 tons of ammonium nitrate missing. Weird, to say the least. I New demands. Uh, you know, we cover stuff from the UK and other countries besides the US and where I live here in Malaysia because... It affects, it affects, no matter what you might want to say or believe, it's a small world. Well, the UK is looking to criminalize even more online speech. The UK has become so screwed up lately with this online speech crap. I got, I got another one in just a second after this, you won't believe a group of Tory peers led by Baroness Morgan have suggested an amendment to the UK's already dystopian online safety bill to crack down on speech in order to protect girls and women from online abuse. Who will protect girls and women from government overreach? Speaking to the Telegraph, Baroness Morgan said the online world is still a wild west for girls and women, and that online safety bill presents a chance to correct that. She says, Too often women and girls receive inadequate support from tech companies. They're left feeling isolated and forced offline. How is that? I've tabled an amendment calling for violence against women and girls, code of practice, to be written into the bill. There are already codes for other issues such as terrorism and child abuse, but a code is desperately needed to specify and specifically address the harms to women and girls. Anyway, the bill already protects women and girls. This woman's likely just trying to get her name in the news. But it gets worse than that. Oh, yes, it does. The BBC, which now apparently stands for Big Brother Company, they're no longer even trying to disguise what they're going to tell you what to think and how to think. It is Big Brother. It is Newspeak. It is Correct Think. And it is absolutely insane. They've just launched this Take a look. Welcome to BBC Verify. Like you said, we are a team of investigative journalists here at the BBC. Uh, we are also a new brand and we are a physical location um, above the newsroom in London. Um, and the point of the team, as you said, is to verify video, to fact check, to counter <laughs> disinformation um, and to analyse really complex stories so we can get to the truth of what's going on. Yeah, Why does this matter? Truth. Well, mistruths can cause really serious harm to society and to the people in them. And so we want to show you our workings and really help you understand how we get to the bottom of what's happening. And I'm going to give you... No, understand how you try and control what people think. I got a link in our show notes and do not, I don't want to hear any comments. It's from InfoWars, Alex uh, Jones' site. 
I am a free speech absolutist. You have an absolute right to say anything that you want without causing violence or threatening someone's life. Absolutely whatever. Alex Jones should never have been banned off of Twitter, and he should be, if I'm not mistaken, he might be. I don't know if that's actually his account or not. Anyway, this link is in our show notes, and I encourage you to read it because you may hate the man's guts, but he has been right on a lot. Not kidding. You go back and check, and you'll be amazed at how many times he has hit that nail so squarely on the head. The BBC launches, this is what she was just talking about, just introducing, oh, isn't this wonderful? We'll be able to control what you think. You'll be able to think what we want you to think. BBC Verify to fight conspiracies and misinformation. <laughs> she claimed the point is uh, will be to verify video, fact check, and counter disinformation, which, you know, is defined as stuff they want to decide is disinformation, not whether or not it actually is or not. And to analyze really complex stories we think you're too stupid to understand, and so we'd like you to get the good news speak from us, the Ministry of Truth. She explains she's tasked with investigating the UK's conspiracy theory movement. Read this article. It's uh, from Infowars.com. Links in our show notes. It's brilliant. It is a full background on exactly the kind of crap the BBC is shoving down people's throat and trying to find new ways to control how you think. Hey, did you see that U-Haul? Was it a U-Haul truck? Just happened. Just within the last, I don't know, six, eight, ten hours. U-Haul truck slow rolls into the White House. Secret Service stops it. The big gates and the the roller thing out of the driveway shuts it down. But then inside, of course, they find a Nazi flag and, I don't know, some white supremacist paraphernalia. And now they've posted a picture. I, it just happened, so I, I didn't get a chance to grab it for the uh, show here. But they've posted a picture, a picture, <laughs> a picture of the white supremacist. I'll tell you what, if you give me half a moment, ah, there you go, that didn't take long. Here's a picture of the white supremacist. <laughs> First, they said some uh, black guy was there, like I think two times ago was a white supremacist. Uh, then there was some sort of a uh, uh, another uh, person of color. Latino or something, and that was their last um, white supremacist. And now, this is their latest white supremacist. What looks to me to possibly be someone from the Middle East, um, perhaps an Arabic guy? This is apparently who was driving the truck with the Nazi flag and white supremacy paraphernalia. You know, guys, if you're gonna, you know, do a psyop, at least think it through. Take Just take that extra couple of hours it takes to lay it out, see if it makes sense, and then go ahead and enact your little psyop fake thing. Seriously, did anyone stop to think before we tried to call this a white supremacist thing that that guy's probably not really high on the white supremacy ladder? But there it is. There it is. What does it say? This is from Drano, DC Drano on Twitter. 
Sai Varsith Kandula, the Missouri man who drove a U-Haul into the White House gates. Media refers to him as a white supremacist after authorities found a Nazi flag in the vehicle. And that picture I showed you was his driver's license photograph. Yeah. So that's... Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, a good example of a white supremacist. And, you know, because it's so effective, used to be racism, and it still is for the most part, because, you know, being called a racist is one of the worst, if not one of the worst things you could be called. I suppose by default saying you're a white supremacist just comes with the moniker of racist automatically. And the Democrats, of course, are very good at throwing that out there to anybody they just want to knocked down in the public's view, whether it's true or not. And apparently, not that he needs to, because he's got enough money, he can just throw that around. But our good friend, old Georgie boy, George Soros, quote, those who oppose my agenda are white supremacists. George, shut up and sit down. Go away. Far-left billionaire Soros declared any person or institution that criticizes his globalist agenda is guilty of being a white supremacist. Soros-funded Institute for Strategic Dialogue recently issued talking points in the form of a policy paper that attacked Elon Musk <laughs> for pointing out the similarities between Soros and Magneto, the archenemy of the X-Men from the Marvel Comics universe. Uh, the analysis, entitled Anti-Semitism, oh, here we freaking go on Twitter, before and after Elon Musk's acquisition, purports to examine how Musk's takeover of Twitter has caused an increase in racist and anti-Semitic comments. Posted, do you people even, do you have an account on Twitter? From what you're writing here, I'm kind of doubting it. Among the criteria it used to classify comments as anti-Semitic, Two specifically listed Soros. So now George says, if you oppose me and my agenda, you're a white supremacist. Guess what, George? We don't give a crap, and most people know you're just full of shit. So have a nice day. Get on with your life. Unbelievable. Hey, J. Sheldon Show merchandise. You get these cool coffee mugs, T-shirts, hoodies, uh, tank tops, all kinds of cool stuff. It's the top link in our show notes. And under that is the J. J. Sheldon Show AI Art Gallery. Limited editions. One's already been sold out. We got one more going to sell out in the next week. And then we're going to leave the other ones up there for a limited time. They're all signed by me. They're all made by AI. And they're all mounted on canvas beautifully. They look great in your house. Got nothing to do with the show that I know of, but they were generated by AI when prompted as the uh, the Jay Sheldon show. So go figure. Hey, uh, Mike Rowe, you know Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs, the host, and I'm an amazing guy. I'm a big, big fanboy of Mike Rowe. Uh, he posted this, and I got the uh, thing. It's from the New Yorker. Now, I don't, it's, it's it's a subscription service, but you get like one free article a week. And this is an amazing article, and it speaks volumes behind the idea that a college degree, and I've said this forever, 
is not the beginning and end all of you having a very successful, very money-making career. Blue-collar workers, the guys who, gals who get the dirt under their fingernails and put on a pair of boots and jeans and go to work every day, run this country. They make it tick. They make it move forward. And right now, there is a huge electrician shortage. Are you listening? If you're wondering what you're going to do with the rest of your life, take a hint here, pal. Men and women, going green will depend on blue-collar workers. And we may not be able to train enough of them before time runs out. Two days before Christmas, listen to this. Rain and high winds knocked down power lines on our road, small town in northwestern Connecticut, which is where I grew up. That night, the temperatures dropped to the single digits. I worried the pipes in our basement hot water radiators would freeze and burst. So at four in the morning, I left my wife and our dog shivering in bed, groped my way down to the basement, and with the help of YouTube, attempted to drain the system. Here's a home improvement tip. If you think somebody you might need to perform an emergency maintenance chore, study it on a summer afternoon when you're not wearing pajamas and a headlamp while trying to hold your cell phone and a bucket. <laughs> Who wrote? David Owen wrote this. No kidding. I know David Owen. He used to listen to my radio show back in the day. David, congratulations on your article in the New Yorkers. That is fantastic. Anyway, he goes on to describe how he's trying to figure out how to drain, and he can't, and how there aren't enough plumbers. And what do you think it's going to be like in 10 years? Because no one's learning the trade now. Electricians, plumbers, a lot of skilled trades facing similar shortages, and those shortages also, if you think in the, in the long game, have serious environmental consequences. The Inflation Reduction Act includes billions in tax credits, direct funding for a long list of climate-friendly projects, but all of them depend on the availability of workers who can execute and maintain them. If you know a young person who wants to do something that's going to help the world and make a good living while they're doing it, go become an electrician. Go become a plumber. Become a carpenter. Those are the trades. They will always be in demand, and you will always make a fortune in those trades. Your bachelor's degree or master's or doctorate in Eastern lesbian basket-weaving theology ain't going to cut it. You learn to fix pipes, splice wires, hammer and saw, you will always have work and you will make a bloody fortune. David, congratulations on your article in The New Yorker. I know you and I are about as politically opposite, polar opposites as you could possibly be. But that doesn't mean we can't still be friends whether we agree or disagree with each other's political stands. Um, and that's great. It's a cool article. I included the link in our show notes. Like I said, the New Yorker is a paid subscription site, but you get one free article a month you can read. So if you want to read one, I highly recommend that 
from, uh, wow, what turns out to be, I should have read that before, and turns out to be uh, my old friend from Torrington, Connecticut, David Owens. <laughs> Congratulations. All right. Uh, what do we got to tell? Oh, I know what we got to tell you about. We got to tell you about Skillshare. Ah, speaking of learning skills and how important that can be, one of our sponsors here on The Jay Sheldon Show is indeed Skillshare. And Skillshare is an amazing website. If you're tired of scrolling through social media and you feel like you're just not learning anything new or productive, well, you might want to expand your thinking a little bit and your skill sets and enhance your creativity. You look no further than Skillshare right there. One month free when you use the link down there in our show notes and sign up for Skillshare. You get a free month. Check it out. Expert instructors, very passionate about their craft and committed to sharing their knowledge with you. You'll get ad-free instructions and videos available in multi-level courses, all kinds of creative skills you can learn and practical skills from computer programming and how to use software, or even if you know how to use Photoshop, how to use it better. Uh, you would be amazed. Just go over there to Skillshare. Use the link in our show notes. Check it out. You'll get an incredible deal when you sign up using our link. And you will be amazed. There are tens of thousands of new skills added every month to Skillshare. If you've checked it out before, go back and check it out again using our link. And there's more new things there to learn. By the way, if you are a teacher, you can set yourself up at Skillshare and teach. Make a little side income there amazing, amazing uh, website, Skillshare. Use the link in our show notes and you will find out more about it. And more importantly, you will get a hell of a deal from Skillshare. All right. Thanks, Skillshare, for uh, helping to sponsor the show. Quick coffee break. All right. Here we go. The Epic Times. Gotta love it. You know what big fans we are around here of the clot shot? Mm, not a colossal failure around the world. That's the headline. <sighs> Let's summarize what we know about the negative efficiency or efficacy, <laughs> both are correct, of the COVID-19 vaccines. You see why I am exclusively on Rumble? Because I can talk about this crap without fear of being censored. If I were on YouTube... They would have shut me off by now. Likely Facebook too. Which is why I'm not there anymore. I am exclusively here on Rumble and thank you. Why vaccinated people, not the unvaxxed, suffer frequent bouts of COVID-19. The vaccines and the new bivalence of which they are a part are alarmingly and unredeemably unsafe as well as ineffective for the advertised purposes. It's increasingly recognized by lay people, physicians, scientists throughout the world that the COVID-19 vaccines are neither safe nor effective, and they're certainly not reversible. In this article, the writer shows irrefutable proof that the COVID-19 vaccines are irredeemably ineffective neither safe nor effective on how dangerous they are. He gives a whole background using the U.S. mortality data. Look at this. 
2020, 3.3 million, almost 3.4 million resident deaths registered in the U.S. Five, uh, 528 deaths in 2019. Wow. This article, including data to back up what he's talking about, look at these deaths. I know that's a little, little blurred out there, but look at the change. Insane. Even two years after the end of 2020, allegations of the numbers of those dead in 2020 continued to increase. At what point will that number be settled? How hard? It, how is it that by December 2021, an accurate number of deaths in 2020 is still not available to the CDC? These are just amazing. I've read this whole article. It's frightening. And it, I don't want to scare you, but maybe you ought to be scared. Read this. I'm telling you, they're planning another one of these things. These pandemics are going to be happening because they're damn convenient and they work really well for things like fixing elections, things like that. So you can bet your bottom dollar there's going to be more. Be prepared now. You're going to have to fight them tooth and nail. This one, <laughs> I don't do a lot about my home country here in Malaysia because I mostly focus on U.S. politics because I'm a guest here and I respect that and their rules and laws, I really, it's not my place to make comments most of the time about things that happen here. I'm a guest. I appreciate and love that very much. I have been a guest in this wonderful country for 21 years now, exactly 21 years this week. And uh, I love it to death. I'm still an American at heart. You can't get the America out of the boy. You can take the boy out of America. But uh, I keep track. I consider myself a patriot, not an expatriate. Uh, I may not live there. I still pay my taxes to the U.S. And, uh, you know, I do what I do. But every now and then and a story comes up as to just how freaking insane these people are. And somehow I think when I see things like this that are related to stuff going back on back in the U.S., I can share it with you, and my U.S. audience, which is pretty big, um, will appreciate it for what it is. If you think you got troubles, that's that's the category this thing comes from. This is an article from says.com. The home ministry in Malaysia has raided 11 swatch stores and seized their goods. You know why? Because some of their swatch watches had rainbows on the wristbands. And they say that's supporting the LBGTQABCDZYXXZ plus queer whatever. Yeah, 11 swatch stores. Oh, these people are so stupid. They were raided nationwide, including Mid-Valley Mega Mall, Wanutama Shopping Center, Sunway Pyramid, Sunway Putra Mall, Sogo, and Viva City or Viva City Mega Mall. There you go. There's the, oh no, look at that. Ooh. And there's, uh, I don't know who this, whoever they are, confiscating their merchandise. Uh, recently received negative comments online after the brand was perceived to be in support of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer community. Uh, Malaysians were, were outraged 
when it was announced that Coldplay would be performing in the country. I am not, I shit you not. They were actually outraged because Coldplay was going to perform here. Man. Uh, you know, just stop writing articles about these idiots who come out with this stupid stuff. And just, you know, that's all they want is the publicity. They want to see their name in the paper or their name online in a headline. That's the, they're not in it for the right moral reasons or because whatever. They just want the publicity. That's all they want. You know how to shut them up and get them to go away? Don't give it to them. Anyway... <laughs> They went in and they confiscated the watches. And now there's been some rumors going around. I saw a couple stories and a few tweets about, oh, well, uh, we'll be returning the merchandise and blah, blah, bullshit, whatever. Uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> that's the kind of crap we have to deal with. You think you got problems, U.S.? Hey, this is not one. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I did want to include it because it's just happened recently in the last couple of days, and you really ought to check it out. Read the whole story. The article's in our show notes. From the Daily Signal, policy has been exposed at Fox News and their stance on woke ideology. Fox News employees... Fox News employees, listen, are allowed to use the bathroom that aligns with their gender identity rather than their biological sex. They are permitted to dress in alignment with preferred genders. They must also be addressed by their preferred name and pronouns in the workplace. You see now why Dan Bond... No, okay. In Dan's case, it was different. It was a contract thing. You see now why Tucker Carlson ain't there anymore? These are just a few of the policies that have been outlined and leaked in the company handbook from January 2021. Wow. Unbelievable. Like I said, I can't spend a lot of time making comments about it except for the fact that it shocks the hell out of me. Read the article and it will shock the hell out of you at exactly what is going on behind the scenes in Fox News and their drama drama. It's unbelievable. All right. We always wind up before we get to our book with a piece of good news. And I found one tonight that will light up your life. This is a motorcycle cop who has stopped someone on the side of the road. And it doesn't go so well for the motorcycle cop. But then, normal everyday citizens see the cop in trouble, and normal everyday citizens jump in and help. Take a look at this. Now, there's no real sound. It's just got some rap music track, so I've muted it. But there's the cop. There is the person he has stopped, he's engaged with. Somebody from, uh, with their hand, okay, now see, yeah. subject throws a punch, gets into it with the cop, the cop and he go down on the ground, they're rolling around. Unfortunately, the uh, suspect gets the better of the cop, gets on top of him and is holding him down. Now watch what happens. Boom. Bystander comes by. Guy stops in the background. Another bystander comes by, helping the cop, drag the suspect off the cop 
spin him around. The cop re-engages. There's another, the guy who got out of the truck, I think, who's got the guy's feet. He's crossed his feet. This guy looks like he might be law enforcement. The way he's holding the guy down in the back. Wow. Amazing and a huge, whoa, yes. You say people don't care. You say people won't get involved. That's a case where people got involved for the better, helped that cop who was in trouble out, and a huge, huge, I don't know who you are, but a big ta- uh, hat tip to all you guys. Man, that is amazing. I, I, look, I can't encourage you to get involved in these kind of situations because in some cases it'll put your life in, in jeopardy. It really will. These people are morons. They are insane. But if it's safe and you can, I would. I'd jump right in. All right, we're going to jump right into our book now. We're reading George Orwell's 1984 because it's appropriate that we do. We're living it, folks, more and more every day. We've read books on this show from almost the beginning, over almost 400 shows ago. We do classic children's book, but now we're doing 1984 because it fits, and we've made it all the way up to chapter six as we continue with George Orwell's remarkably familiar 1984. Winston was writing in his diary. It was three years ago. It was on a dark evening in a narrow side street near one of the big railway stations. She was standing near a doorway in the wall under a street lamp that hardly gave any light. She had a young face painted very thick. It was really the paint that appealed to me, the the whiteness of it, like a mask and the bright red lips. Party women never paint their faces. There was nobody else on the street, no telescreens. She said, two dollars. For the moment, it was too difficult to go on. He shut his eyes, pressed his fingers against them trying to squeeze out the vision that kept recurring. He had an almost overwhelming temptation to shout a string of filthy words at the top of his voice, or to bang his head against a wall, to kick over the table and hurl the ink pot through the window. To do any violent or noisy or painful thing that might black out the memory that was tormenting him. Your worst enemy, he reflected, was your own nervous system. At any moment, the tension inside you was liable to translate itself into some visible symptom. He thought of a man whom he'd passed in the street a few weeks back, a quite ordinary-looking man of a party member, aged 35 to 40. Tallish, thin, carrying a briefcase. There were a few meters apart when they left the side of the man's face was suddenly contorted into a sort of spasm. It happened again just as they were passing one another. It was only a twitch, a quiver, rapid as the clicking of a camera shutter, but obviously habitual. He remembered thinking at the time, that poor devil is done for. And what was frightening was that the action was quite possibly unconscious. The most deadly danger of all was talking in your sleep. There was no way of guarding against that, so far as he could see. He drew his breath and went on writing. 
I went with her through the doorway and across a backyard into a basement kitchen. There was a bed against the wall and a lamp on the table turned down very low. She, his teeth were set on edge. He would have liked to spit. Simultaneously with the woman in the basement kitchen, he thought of Catherine, his wife. Winston was married, had been married at any rate. Probably he still was married, as far as he knew his wife was not dead. He seemed to breathe again the warmth, stuffy odor of the basement kitchen, an odor compounded of bugs and dirty clothes and villainous, cheap scent, but nevertheless alluring, because no woman of the party ever used scent, or could he imagine as doing so. Only the proles used scent. In his mind, the smell of it was inextricably mixed up with fornication. When he'd gone with that woman, it had been his first lapse in two years or thereabouts. Consorting with prostitutes was forbidden, of course, but it was one of those rules you could occasionally nerve yourself to break. It was dangerous, but it wasn't a life-or-death matter. To be caught with a prostitute might mean five years in a forced labor camp, not more, if you'd committed no other offense. Very easy enough, provided you could avoid being caught in the act. The poorer quarters swarmed with women who were ready to sell themselves. Some could even be purchased for a bottle of gin, which the parolees were not supposed to drink. Tacitly, the party was even inclined to encourage prostitution as an outlet for instincts which could not be altogether suppressed. More debauchery didn't matter very much so long as it was furtive and joyless and only involved the woman of a submerged and despised class. The unforgivable crime was promiscuity between party members. But though this was one of the crimes that the accused in the great purges invariably confessed to. It was difficult to imagine any such thing actually happening. The aim of the party wasn't merely to prevent men and women from forming lo loyalties, which might not it be able to control. Its real, undeclared purpose was to remove all pleasure from the sexual act. Not love so much as eroticism was the enemy, inside marriage as well as outside it. All marriages between party members had to be approved by a committee appointed for the purpose, and though the principle was never clearly stated, permission was always refused if the couple concerned gave the impression of being physically attracted to one another. The only recognized purpose of marriage was to beget children for the service of the party. Sexual intercourse was to be looked on as a slightly disgusting minor operation, like having an enema. This, again, was never put into plain words, but in an indirect way it was rubbed into every party member from childhood onward. There were even organizations such as the Junior Anti-Sex League, which advocated complete celibacy for both sexes. All children were to be begotten by artificial insemination, artsem, 
it was called in Newspeak. Brought up in public institutions. Artsem, it was called in Newspeak. Brought up in public institutions, this, Winston was aware, was not meant altogether seriously, but somehow it fitted in with the general ideology of the party. The party was trying to kill the sex industry, or, if it could not be killed, then to distort it, dirty it. He didn't know why this was so, but it seemed natural that it should be so. As far as the women were concerned, the party's efforts were largely successful. He thought again of Catherine. It must be nine, ten, nearly eleven years since they had parted. It was curious how seldom he thought of her. For days at a time, he was capable of forgetting that they'd ever even been married. They'd only been together about fifteen months. The party did not permit divorce, but it rather encouraged separation in cases where there were no children. Catherine was a tall, fair-haired girl, very straight, splendid movements. She had a bold, aquiline face, a face that one might have called noble, until one discovered there was, as nearly as possible, nothing behind it. Very early in her married life, he had decided, though perhaps it was only that he knew her more intimately than he knew most people, that she had, without exception, the most stupid, vulgar, empty mind that he had ever encountered. She had not a thought in her head that was not a slogan. There was no imbecility, absolutely none that she was not capable of swallowing if the party handed it out to her. The human soundtrack, he nicknamed her, in his own mind. Yet he could have endured living with her if it had not just burdened for one thing. Sex. As soon as he touched her, he seemed to wince and stiffen. To embrace her was like embracing a jointed wooden image. And what was strange was that even when she was clasping against him after, she, her, after he had the feeling that she was simultaneously pushing him away with all her strength, the rigidity of her muscles managed to convey that impression. She would lie there with shut eyes, neither resisting nor cooperating, but submitting. It was extraordinarily embarrassing, and after a while, horrible. But even then, he could have borne living with her if it hadn't been agreed that they should remain celibate. But curiously enough, it was Catherine who refused this. They must, she said, produce a child if they could. So the performance continued to happen once a week, quite regularly, whenever it was not impossible. She even used to remind him of it in the morning as something which she had to do that evening and which must not be forgotten. She had two names for it. One was making a baby. The other was our duty to the party. Yes, she had actually used that phrase. Quite soon, he grew to have a feeling of positive dread when the appointed day came round. But luckily, no child appeared, and in the end, she agreed to give up trying. 
and soon afterwards they parted. Winston sighed inaudibly, picked up his pen again, and wrote. She threw herself down on the bed, and at once, without any kind of preliminary in the most coarse, horrible way you can imagine, pulled up her skirt. I, he saw himself standing there in the dim lamplight with the smell of bugs and cheap scent in the nostrils, in his heart a feeling of defeat, resentment, which even at that moment was mixed up with the thoughts of Catherine's white body, frozen forever by the hypnotic power of the party. Why did it always have to be like this? Why could he not have a woman of his own instead of these filthy scuffles at intervals of years? But a real love affair was almost an unthinkable event. The women of the party were all alike. Chastity was as deeply ingrained in them as party loyalty. By careful early conditioning, by games, cold water, and the rubbish that was dinned into them at school and in the spies and the youth league, by lectures, parades, songs, slogans, martial music, the natural feeling had been driven out of them. His reason told him that there must be exceptions, but his heart didn't believe it. They were all impregnable, as the party intended they should be. And what he wanted, more even than to be loved, was to break down that wall of virtue, even if it were only for once in his whole life. The sexual act successfully performed was rebellion. Desire was thought crime. Even to have awakened Catherine, if he could have achieved it, would have been like a seduction, although she was his wife. But the rest of the story has got to be written down. He wrote, I turned up the lamp when I saw her in the light. After the darkness of the feeble light of the paraffin lamp, it seemed very bright for the first time, he could see the woman properly. He'd taken a step towards her and then halted, full of lust and terror. He was painfully conscious of the risk he was taking in coming here. It was perfectly possible the patrols would catch him on the way out. For that matter, they might be waiting outside the door at this moment. If he went away without even doing what he had come here to do... It had got to be written down. It has got to be confessed. What he had suddenly seen in the lamplight was that the woman was old. The paint was plastered so thick on her face it looked as though she might crack like a cardboard mask. There were streaks of white in her hair. Though the truly dreadful detail was that her mouth had fallen open a little, revealing nothing except a cavernous blackness. She had no teeth at all. Whew. Wow. Okay. <laughs> We're going to leave it there for tonight. A little heavy stuff, huh? We'll continue on tomorrow night with 1984 
from George Orwell. Hey, please, we're at now 49. We should get to 50, I think, if you want to make number 50 or even, hey, why not number 60? Hit that follow button right there. It really helps the show out. It's free for you. doesn't cost a thing. Just to click on that over there, their follow button, and you're good to go. We really appreciate that. It helps the show out. We're also a podcast. You'll find us on Apple, Spotify, all the podcast platforms. The audio part of our show goes out uh, right after we're done here with our live show. And uh, you can check us out and carry us with you. Yeah, we're portable. All right. We will see you all again tomorrow. Good night. Snort. <laughs>